The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to the Dogs Podcast with your hosts, Blake Reniker, Justin Charles, and Josh All. What's up, Browns fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Podcast presented by Omaha Steaks. Josh All with you today, and I've got Kenny Mack from Canada on the show. How's it yeah, going, let's Kenny? go, baby. Let's go. <laughs> We're coming to you guys here at the end of the week because... One, there's actually a couple just recent news pieces that we haven't covered yet on any of our episodes. We'll just kind of touch on that. Maybe we'll dive into a little bit more of what those mean, and we'll see how things play out over the weekend. We'll talk about that next week. And then after we touch on those news pieces, we are going to look back at the Andrew Berry press conference from earlier in the week, his end-of-season recap, and kind of pull all the little nuggets that we can out of that press conference about you know, Nick Chubb, Deshaun Watson, Kevin Stefanski, Miles Garrett, all all this stuff that Andrew Barry was asked about and some of the things he said. It was really interesting. Kenny had listened to it, said, Hey, let's let's talk about that press conference. So I thought that was a good idea. Want to bring that to you guys. So before we dive into it all, if you're watching this on YouTube, please make sure that you like this video, subscribe to the channel. Please share our stuff on all your socials. We really appreciate getting the podcast out in front of as many people as possible. And if you're listening on audio, you know, on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeart, wherever you're listening. We really appreciate all of our audio listeners. You guys rock. Couldn't do this without you guys, and we couldn't do it without people like Kenny. So we let's let's first just mention some of the recent news before we dive into the press conference. So the other day, Deuce Daly confirmed new running backs coach for the Cleveland Browns. Do you have any thoughts on Deuce Daly, the hire? I think we just needed a new, uh, I don't want to give away too much because I know I want to say stuff during the uh, press conference, but okay. it kind of aligns with uh, what Barry was saying about maybe what they were looking for uh, in the future. And uh, I think a new fresh start on offense would be ideal for the Browns. It looks like Duke Staley is going to be part of that. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's been a, um, the last two places he's been, Detroit and last year Carolina, he wasn't just the running backs coach. He was also the assistant head coach in both of those organizations. So it just feels like the Browns are bringing in more of this experience, guys that have experience in multiple different roles and, you know, different levels of experience doing different things. So I just think it's all good stuff. The Browns right now, this front office, this coaching staff, they do nothing by accident, nothing by mistake, nothing random. It's all calculated. It's all, you know, best guys for the best fit and, Obviously, that was that's what they felt about Deuce Daly. So pumped about that hire. Looking forward to seeing what yep. he brings. The other two things, the offensive coordinator. I did an episode earlier in the week talking about Gerard Johnson. He came in. He came out. No, no, nothing's been hired yet for offensive coordinator. They're still interviewing people. They interviewed what's his name, Brian Johnson, Brian Johnson, and then Kellen Kellen Moore uh, Moore. Yeah. Not as well. So 
between those two, I mean, I'm, I like I like what you said about Johnson earlier in the week. So I'm kind of stuck on that right now, uh, but uh, Allen um, interests me because he can call an offense. I thought, I thought he kind of got the raw end of the deal in um, uh, San Diego, or not San Diego in LA, because uh, it was kind of a lame duck team. Um, Daly didn't get what he needed done there, and it kind of just spiraled down and. Uh, I think maybe with the fresh start, he's got some fresh ideas. He did some all right stuff in Dallas. Uh, he knows what it's like to have a, a, a receiver, a running back, and a, a quarterback that are elite on the same page in San Diego. So maybe that can translate here. But I mean, the offensive numbers weren't really there. So I'm kind of caught between that. And then Brian Johnson, I'm like, hey, yeah, in a down year in, in uh, Philadelphia. But again, like, these are all one-year guys that uh, their team didn't do as well the previous year. And they're trying to reestablish something, and it, it was it work out. Yeah, I agree with you on that. The difference – so Brian Johnson, just for anybody who, who didn't see the news, he was the offensive coordinator this past season for the Eagles, got promoted – when Shane Steichen left last year to go be the head coach in Indianapolis with the Colts. And Johnson was there. It was kind of him and Steichen were the ones working together, and they both got credited for you know the MVP development of Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. And I would still say at the beginning of the season, I felt like the Philadelphia Eagles offense wasn't terrible. Like You could tell they were missing something, and I think Shane Steichen... Obviously, there was a lot there because what he went to Indianapolis to do, it tra- you know transferred with him. But I don't know. I think Brian Johnson must have some sort of pedigree that people are after because he has also interviewed, I think it was the Falcons and the Panthers and the Titans for their head coaching positions already. Now, I don't think he'll get any of those. Obviously, he's not getting the Tennessee one, but he has been interviewed for a head coaching spot already this year. Yeah, I mean, realistically, with the Eagles, I don't want to get too much into them, but I mean, ultimately, what did people expect? Those guys that lose the Super Bowl, how many of them really return to the Super Bowl or return the form? They generally have a down year. Maybe he took the hit for that down year and the uh, defensive coordinator as well, although that tackling in the last game against the Bucs was awful and horrendous. That's probably why the D coordinator is there. But those guys kind of are taking the blame, and that, that's where it is with, uh, with uh, that guy. So maybe it might be a, a diving in the rough if we get him. Yeah, yeah. I You never know, and I... I just, before we, you know, we'll kind of wrap up this quick news in here real quick, but I just kind of get the feeling that the Browns are doing due diligence. They're bringing in a bunch of different guys that they probably have different levels of interest in. They're not bringing anybody just for the hell of it, but, you know, they're looking at these guys and honestly, they're in a great position because Kevin Stefanski at the end of the day, he has been acting primarily as the OC, you know, the lead OC, I would say with Alex Van Pelt here, he's been the play caller. So at the end of the day, if the Browns don't find anybody that they love, you know what I mean? They Then they just kind of figure out, okay, which guy do we feel is the best fit to help us develop our players? He doesn't necessarily have to be the play caller or the lead guy in the offensive system. Kevin can still do that. So there's there's a nice fallback that, you know, while we would like to see some offensive adjustments, some updates, some modernization, the offense is not terrible. You know what I mean? And Kevin's a hell of a play caller, so... I don't know. I just think the Browns are in a great, great position to, you know, pick and choose and, and be selective here. 
And when you when you're hiring, you're hiring more elite or higher end positions. Even in a company, you're you're, you're always looking to gain something out of that interview. I learned something, right? And yeah. they're probably looking for some kind of philosophies, seeing where other teams are going, and that may or may not count in these interviews. But that's the point of hiring or interviewing more than one person. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I, I agree with that. And. You know, here this this first week or so, I mean, they've got what they had Dickerson, they had Ken Dorsey, they had Johnson Johnson, and now more. And I'm sure there will be more to come. So stay tuned. We will, you know, we'll keep you guys updated on everything that's going on with the coaching hires for the Browns. What's up, Browns fans in Ohio? If you haven't signed up for Caesar Sportsbook yet, now is the perfect time to do so with the NFL playoffs underway. New customers will get their first bet on Caesars up to $1,000 when signing up with our promo code DOGS1000. That means if your first bet loses, you will get your full wager returned as a bonus bet up to $1,000. Caesars offers daily profit boosts as well as Caesars rewards credits on every wager, which can be redeemed for bonuses, sports tickets, and other VIP experiences. If you're ready to join Caesar Sportsbook, go download the app and register with our promo code DOGS1000 to make sure your first bet is covered. Offer is only available for new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in Ohio. Please gamble responsibly. If you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you can qualify. So we will go ahead and move into the Andrew Berry press conference. Didn't talk about it earlier this week. Um... Just, you know, we, there was other things going on, but I really think it's it's a good idea to dive into what he was what he was saying in this press conference. So I guess I think we'll just go like chronologically through his through his statements and everything. And then if there's anything that I'm missing, just just stop me and say it. But he kind of talked in the beginning. I thought it was really cool. He didn't take questions right away. He's opened by talking about his his buddy, general manager, Brad Holmes in Detroit and talking about how cool it is watching the Lions host these playoff games. The last two games were in Detroit. And he, he just said this, it gets me thinking about what's it going to be like when we host, not if, when we host a playoff game here in Cleveland. And he said, the closest thing I can go to in my you know experience here that it would be like is that Thursday night game against the Jets in the whiteout jerseys when you know, the crowd was electric, the energy, the atmosphere, it was playoff atmosphere because we win that game. We essentially clinched the playoff spot, the number five seed, which we did. And I just thought it was cool that he opened up talking about that. Yeah. And that was a, that was a huge part. Like I was there at the game and, uh, it was an amazing experience. Um, we knew, uh, that, you know, like you said, we knew that we were going to clinch something winning. But it was the buy-in from the players that he was really getting it. Everybody was bought in, and it kind of goes to the season. What he kind of said before that, when he was talking about Tom Telesco, and it was his first hire, he ultimately said, like, your team had every reason to give up. Yeah. You know? And they didn't. It, they were bought in. And it gets into what later he describes into, like, a, a growth mindset where he didn't give in to the, the failures, and he learned, and he carried, and he, he kind of fought through it. And I, I really liked how he started that off. And also, with, you know, it starts off with a great memory. It sets the tone for the conference. I thought the conference was a little bit more uh, up and, and robust than it usually is. And, and people didn't really want to fire into those hard questions right away. So it gave him a bit of a buffer zone as well. Yeah, definitely. He moved into then, you know, he, was, he started talking about, or I think he was asking about Kevin Stefanski. 
And well, here, I'll just I'll just play this clip real quick and then we can talk about it. You know, Kevin, um, the way that he was able to lead and manage through challenges and adversity this year was absolutely phenomenal. And we have a smart, um, adaptable, uh, emotionally intelligent leader um, who, you know, the, the crazy part is he's not even close to his ceiling. And this is a guy who hopefully in the next month should, you know, earn his you know, second coach of the year award in his first four years as a head coach. And I know that our organization is in really good hands both now and for the foreseeable future with him. So I thought that was really high praise for Kevin Stefanski for, I've seen this on Twitter too. Anybody who out there is screaming, the Browns need to fire Kevin Stefanski. There's your GM and nothing about what he just said indicates that the Browns are doing or in any mindset to move on from Kevin, they're going to be extending him soon. I'm pretty sure. Well, the, the, the funny thing is that you said is that the, the, the emotional intelligence, right? You're talking about these people that want to fire. They clearly have no emotional intelligence, right? Because you need, you need to understand your own emotions and that of others. And you're not understanding what's going on with the Browns right now. So the, one of the key points to it is self-awareness. <laughs> if you don't know and self-regulation. <laughs> Find out what's going on and then make a comment. That's what I would say. I would 100% agree with you, though. Uh, the positivity and the praise, it tells me that there will be an extension. Who knows when it's going to be? I mean, ultimately, if they didn't like what he was doing, he's got a, he's got a year left on his on his deal, correct? I think so. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he's got a big hand in these hires, and he's developing for the future, and, and they're talking about their goal of what's the lining for the future. And that's what the getting back into the Lions thing. The Lions have a methodical way that they went about things. Andrew Barry understands his friends. And they're going to be rolling in that same way. And it looks like Kevin Stefanski and his uh, emotional intelligence and his growth mindset is going to be part of that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just to kind of jump ahead while we're talking about Kevin, I'll just mention Later on, at one point, he talked about Kevin's continued growth, or he was asked about that, and he's, he called Kevin Stefanski, quote, the best of us. He said Kevin's authenticity is what helps him be a great leader for the team, somebody people like to follow. I mean, he talked about one of, the, one of his favorite coaches in the NFL, and the progression of that coach is Andy Reid. He said, I love looking at what Andy Reid did in Philadelphia years and years ago to what he's doing now in Kansas City and the way he's grown and developed and matured and adapted to the NFL game and just perfected his head coaching abilities. And he said, that's Kevin. And I thought that was huge, huge praise. Yeah, and that that's, has to go, to go through with, like, Andy Reid was a West Coast guy, and now he has the West Coast because he still sets up uh, the run with the past, right? He runs a lot less. But he still, he goes, okay, well, this RPO game is working so he works elements of that and then if you watch nfl quarterback what did he do he did the old freddie kitchens thing before he stopped doing it when he was actually hired as that head coach he listened to his players they make plays I, I didn't like seeing the ring around the rosy play but all the players were hyped they got into the play they did probably whatever they needed to do to get that play to happen and so he's got the buy-in and it's exactly what he was saying he understands the emotions of his players and you read that is and he's getting their buy-in. That's what Kevin Stefanski is doing. And I know I keep hitting the the nail, the hammer on the nail there with the emotional intelligence, but it's huge. And it's something that I've always looked at when I'm hiring people. So I'm super motivated that they're doing this. Yeah, me too. So then the next thing I believe that he was asked about was 
the depth at the quarterback position, how much emphasis they're putting on quarterback considering the injuries and the way things played out this year. And my takeaway from that whole portion of the press conference was that Kevin did say, or Kevin, I'm Andrew Barry did say that we'll probably be carrying three quarterbacks moving forward. Later on, then he was asked to clarify that. Somebody said, you know, did you mean three active quarterbacks, like three guys on the active roster or two guys and then one on the practice squad? Barry said that's going to depend on who those guys are that we end up with on the team, but he's not opposed to having three on the active roster, which the last couple of years it's been two. Yeah, I mean, uh, the goal is Flacco. I mean, obviously, that'll be the, an important question. Everybody wants to know that answer. Ultimately, based on the way he played and his popularity, he probably played himself into a contract that's not going to be reasonable for Browns. Um, I would be very weary of someone that coming in at 38 and they just turned 39 and had the number of interceptions and put at least 10 points on the board or the other team, right? Now, he was thrown into action, uh, given a full season, off offseason. Uh, maybe that'll be remedied, but um, that's kind of the reason why some coaches aren't here anymore either. Um, but I don't think, like, if you're in the mindset that you think Joe Flacco can last 16 or 17 games, I don't think that's going to be realistic either. It would have to be at a running or at the uh, backup position, and he may have like earned himself or talked somebody into that starting position, or maybe he talked himself into that, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's a narrative where he sides with a team, and one of those teams, maybe in the mid uh, drafting range of ten to twenty, has a guy that's a bit of a project, and he starts for ten a game. You know, that's the most realistic scenario that I see for him. I uh, do. I want to see him do it as amazing as he as he did last year. Yes, but I feel like if John Watson had those same stats. Uh, we'd be crying about it right now. We definitely would be. Those turnovers were extremely high, and we talked about that every week, you know, as the season was progressing. The uh, So, yeah, they started talking about Joe Flacco. Andrew Barry said, definitely not opposed to having him back, but it's just got to make sense for both sides, pretty much alluding to everything you just said. And then I thought it was funny, Tony Grossi, who I think, I think Tony can be a kind of a tool sometimes, and he asked... He asked Barry how much consideration the team would give to having Joe Flacco back considering that he played at a high level. He took the team on a playoff run versus Deshaun. And just the way he was like versus Deshaun, like as if Deshaun's some POS crap, you know, lower tier quarterback. And he said how much consideration they'd have toward division or polarity in the locker room. And it's pretty short. I'll just play what Barry said. Zero zero consideration zero considerations because of how both individuals are it's it's not a concern internally at all <laughs> so uh basically he's just saying look joe and deshaun are professionals they both know their roles if they're both on this team they understand how this goes no concern yeah no absolutely there, there would be no concern i mean the the like like the scenario that every browse strand would love is obviously some kind of agreement I guess it'd be earlier. Joe Flacco priced himself out. The Browns are probably willing. Yeah. Well, and, and we'll see how the offseason goes. If, if another team's not really willing to sign him on to be a starter, I mean, I don't think he'll go anywhere else to be a backup. I think if, he, if he's relegated to a backup only options, then he'll be more interested in coming back to Cleveland, obviously. But if there is a starting position available, which we're just going to have to see how things shake out over the next few months. Um, one, one thing that came up next, and it was a theme that progressed on and on and on throughout the conference 
Uh, Andrew Barry was not answering any coaching questions. He was not answering questions about guys being fired, guys being interviewed, what they're looking for in new hires. He he passed all those off. He said, we'll talk about coaches when all the positions are filled. But the one thing he did say is that play calling duties will be 100% Kevin's decision. He said that he thinks the team does, or uh, the team thinks that Kevin does a good job with play calling. So that's up to Kevin if he wants to give those up or share them or keep them. Yeah. So my, my understanding with Kevin is that uh, while he calls the plays in headset, it's a collaborative effort between AVP and uh, Callahan. A- AVP is gone. And I don't know if the other position coaches had any say. All we know is that O'Shea's still there, and he has called plays previous. Mm-hmm. Maybe because he, he was an OC. Well. Yeah, right. So if it's a collaboration that he's looking for, great. Um, ultimately, I would like to see and just hand it over for Diego. You know? so just if, if he can do that, I think a lot of fans would be happy. But they definitely do need an upgrade at that offense. You said previously uh, on another show, uh, what were you, uh, you and Blake were with somebody, I can't remember who it was, that the offense was kind of stale and you could figure it out. And you can see that with the Texans. And it's back to the report. Yep, and, uh, Jake Burns. Yeah. Yeah, and so basically, you can see that they need an upgrade. And I think with the fires of Reese and Staley, that's kind of where it's coming on. That's why I don't want to get into it too much. So I kind of hit it into it now. Like they've called head play, they've called plays or get in the real replacement called. I mean, if you look at Reese, he's a uh, quarterback coach. Is that correct? Uh, what the, what they hired him? He's the tight end coach. Yeah, tight end coach. Right. He called. He was an offensive coordinator for Alabama last year. I'd say they did pretty okay. And he was the OC for Notre Dame for three years. Yeah. So he he said. Our, our Bo Bishop put it on Cleveland Browse Daily. Um, it was Lauren I just said he was one of the best play callers in the game. I was wow. referring to the NCAA. Okay. And if you're the best play caller there, there might, you might be able to translate something to the Cleveland Browns as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel like that's exactly what they're doing is they're getting a lot of guys with experience with different styles of offense with different concepts. They're going to bring them in guys that have called plays before. I, I think the people that they're going to put in the room, the collaborative effort for the offense next season is going to be really cool. I that's at least that's what they're gearing toward. Yeah. I think you're going to see a lot of a modern offense and uh, hopefully it'll take advantage of what John does really well. Cause it was clear when you're watching the Browns with, Joe Flacco, that Bifansky wants someone who can stand in the pocket, that's, that's the ball. You know, and that's what Deshaun maybe wants to aspire to do to extend his career, but he's not right there now, and he wants it. We want him to take advantage of this God-given athletic ability as well. I don't know, man. Stump Mitchell sure seemed to think that Deshaun Watson can do exactly or more what Joe Flacco is doing, which did you did you see the or the we won't talk about it but did you see the stump interview? No. Okay. No, I, I didn't see it, and and maybe they're maybe they're uh, kind of like it didn't hold him into a, a position that he, maybe he can do better. But I felt like the offense did flow a little bit more, even though there's way more points on the board on turnovers when Blacko was in there. Um, 
And, uh, but maybe he's throwing the windows and not watching us throwing his faces. Like, who knows, right? Or throwing to open guys versus windows like Faka was. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not real sure. I just know that Stump said that uh, Kevin had, was essentially trying to alter his play calling style to fit, to, to be different for Deshaun. And then you, he's like, then you saw what he did with Joe and he was much more comfortable calling plays with Joe. And he said, that's what Deshaun can do. He said, Deshaun's a passer first and foremost, and he can do those things. And he said, if Kevin just calls the same style offense for Deshaun that he called for Joe, he'd be fine. And I thought, well, that's interesting coming from a guy who was in the building, who's been on the coaching staff at practice, at training. You know, he's been there the entire time. So that insight was, was interesting. This episode is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Browns fans, February is almost here, and that means it's time to start thinking about that upcoming holiday and making plans to share a meal with someone special. That's right, it's almost Super Bowl Sunday, and for those of us also celebrating Valentine's Day, Omaha Steaks has you covered for it all. For a limited time, listeners of this show can go to omahasteaks.com slash dogs, D-A-W-G-S, and receive four free air-chilled boneless chicken breasts and four free rich, juicy, boneless pork chops with your order. So now is the perfect time to plan ahead for the big holidays coming in February. Load up for the Super Bowl and for Valentine's Day with Omaha's selection of steaks, including the butcher's cut filet mignons, bacon-wrapped filet mignons, the top sirloin steaks. Those are my favorite, but these steaks are all awesome. Throw in some Omaha steak burgers, jumbo franks, seafood, ready-to-eat meals, desserts, Oh my goodness, you have to get the caramel apple tartlets for Valentine's Day. Whatever you do, get those. Just make sure you head to omahasteaks.com slash dogs. Get those eight additional free items added to your order, the four boneless chicken breasts and the four pork chops. Trust me, this stuff is totally worth it. You will wow everybody at your Super Bowl parties and you will wow your special somebody on Valentine's Day. Mark my words. Get to omahasteaks.com slash dogs right now. Score those eight free additional items with your order. There's nothing better than buying great food and getting free great food along with it. omahasteaks.com slash dogs. Minimum purchase may apply. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Speaking about Deshaun, you know, Kevin, or uh, I keep saying Kevin, Andrew Barry was asked about Deshaun's recovery. So this was his answer about that. We feel really good about the recovery. We don't, we don't, we don't, there's nothing that would suggest that there should be some type of limitation or anything like that moving forward. So he was asked, you know, about the timeline. He said, he's definitely, you know, on track in his recovery. He said, maybe even a little ahead of schedule. He said, I hesitate to say that just because it's still early in the recovery. But the fact that He's even mentioning that he could be ahead of schedule was good. And then Mary Kay was asking him, do you have anybody, any other quarterbacks or players that have suffered a similar injury to this with the broken glenoid? And, you know, what has their recovery been like? And that was basically his answer of, we we really don't anticipate any limitations whatsoever. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's great news to hear. I mean, that's what we want to hear. I mean, ultimately making the grade for John Washington First and foremost, we thought, well, we've got this guy, bit of baggage. Mike, Mike missed six games. Well, it ended up as 11 games. So now people are starting to be a little ripped off, right? 
And then we got so hyped up with the extended time off. I mean, it looked as good. He was three and his starter. So people are like kind of getting a little angry, right? And mm-hmm. then now he goes through a full off season. We go, hey, he's going to be there. And he was okay. But now we're kind of hearing through stuff. And you just enlighten me a little bit. Well, maybe the offense was all great for him. But the injury came along and now people feel more ripped off. And then it comes to like not controlling your emotions. Your emotional intelligence is not high. And you're saying, <laughs> well, he doesn't want to play because right. he stole rounds and so on and so forth. Right. So uh, he's, oh, Blake said it a lot. He's got to play next year. Like he's got to play a full season. Mm-hmm. Whatever he can do, just, just slide. Don't run into people. Stop running into, you know, Patrick Queen and all these guys. Yeah. not going to take them all down. Longevity is the key, man. Yes. And, you know, hopefully these players learn when these kinds of things happen. Hopefully, you know, Deshaun has learned from the injury and said, I do need to protect myself a little better. For the for the people that are not emotionally intelligent and can't handle having Deshaun Watson be the quarterback for the Browns, this next clip is going to drive you crazy. You know, when we made the trade, we really looked at it as, hey, this is something that um, you know, we'll evaluate like a 10 year time horizon. Cause these guys, these guys play, um, obviously we want him on the field, you know, more often than he's been, you know, he can't help the, you know, the shoulder injuries this year. Um, but we're, we're really pleased with him. You know, he's very talented. He's very hardworking. He's adaptable. Um, and, um, you know, we really feel good about him moving forward. So there you go. Everybody talking about all oh, the contract, you know, I can't wait to get him out of here in two or three years. Andrew Barry is just straight up there saying, look, whenever we went into this whole thing, we looked at this at like a, a 10-year window. Not not a five-year. The contract's five-year, but that's where this contract then keeps, you know, there's going to be restructures, void years, things that Andrew Barry knows he can do with Deshaun Watson's contract. And I, I think he's going to be the quarterback for the Browns for a long time unless, you know, unless something absolutely crazy happens. And I think that's a good thing. I think Deshaun is very capable of being a good quarterback. He's shown it before. I, I just, I have more confidence, I guess, than a lot of people that he'll be okay. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just shouldn't listen to the internet. The other <laughs> thing is, is what I like to hear about what you're saying is the stability, right? Already now that we've had stability with the coaches, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, like they said at the press conference and how they kicked it off, there's going to be some hard decisions. Made. And ultimately, I think if you take a look, I don't have the stats in front of me, but the offense has slightly um, gone down every single year. And while maybe the rankings were about the same as last year or maybe a little bit higher, you can't have 39 turnovers. Somebody is going to be, job's going to be on the line for that, right? And um, it's just all the penalties, the turnovers. Like they're, they, they should be thinking, man, we're lucky to be where we are. And that stability needs to come with a quarterback. And unfortunately, get based on the situation that we're talking about between the suspension that was oh, like overdrawn uh, and the uh, injury, you don't got that stability yet. In the next three years, let's get there. Yeah, let's get there. And going, I mean, you're just giving me good segues here, Kenny. You were doing awesome work. The Talking about stability, there has been nothing more stable to the Browns over the past what, four or five years than Nick Chubb. And, you know, the, the the discussion moved into Nick Chubb and his recovery and his future. And here's just a quick clip from from that. 
You would have never guessed that Nick was out for the season with how he operated within the building. I mean, he was in, it was like he was doing two-a-day practices for, you know, for rehab. I can say for myself, no one in the organization, I understand our family, nobody wants to see, um, you know, that carry in Pittsburgh, you know, be the last time he carries the ball for the Cleveland Browns. And, you know, obviously there are things that we'll have to work through, but, you know, that would be, that would not be our intention as well. We, we obviously will work to, to keep him on the team. So, you know, those comments earlier in the week about, you know, we're going to do everything we can to keep Nick Chubb on the team and then hiring Deuce Daly or more, I guess the better way to put it is Deuce Daly choosing the Browns because he had offers from the Browns and the Jets and he was kind of deciding between the two and he picked Cleveland. So it, that all kind of points to they're confident Nick Chubb will be here for the next few years. Yeah, I mean, I, I that's what I hope. I mean, obviously... And I hear, I hear a lot of positivity and you hear that kind of like, oh, we got it. We got to do something about that contract. Hopefully the contract situation is like, Jimmy just says, I'll pay it because I love Cleveland Browns fans and I'll, I'll uh, restructure that and pay him right out in cash. So I'll be like, yes, Jim, you are the best man ever. Please do that. Um, we want to see, we want to see Nick drive. And like he said, we, we do not want to see that last carry in Pittsburgh going down the way he did. No. If anybody can get out of it, man, it seems like Nick Young can. And uh, please, please, please be that happen. I'm hoping maybe that you see something in, in Pierre Strong and or uh, Ford as well. But Ford isn't a slouch in the passing game, you know? And yeah. um, I don't think Kareem's coming back after the combat. It's just practice. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, um, we need guys, though, that we can depend. One thing that we could depend on uh, Kareem is pass blocking. And the guys that we have on the team right now, I not, I not. No, even Nick Chubb. I mean, you got what you want. Nick Chubb pass blocking for you. They want pretty much, right? Yeah, no, for sure. And you know, free agency, the draft. I think the Browns are adding to that running back room, regardless. But we said it earlier in the week. And if if you're listening to this and wondering, well, why are they even having this discussion about Nick Chubb? It, of course, he's going to be here. Well. Nick Chubb's contract, you know, for 2024, he is owed against the cap $15.8 million. That's a lot of money for a running back. I believe it's the third, it's either the third or fourth highest running back contract in the NFL right now. He's coming off that injury. And if the Brown, he has got only got a $4 million dead cap pre-June 1st. So if he was cut, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying what the numbers show to cut him pre-June 1st, they would save almost $12 million against the cap. Yeah, and I mean, there's people crying for new receivers. You know, there's people. We got to replace Sedari Smith. You're not paying him, right? Yeah. So there's all of these other needs that are coming in for a guy that's going to play. Uh, is he going to play half a season, two thirds of the season? Right. I think he's playing the first month. You know, but I'm not a doctor. I don't know. The injury is at and to rehab. And if anyone could probably start the season, he could. But it's for the price that he's worth, the variable, it's, it's tough to say. We're going to pay that after a new deadline. Yeah, for sure. So hopefully they get that all worked out. They get it restructured so that way Nick Chubb is back sometime whenever he's healthy next year, ready to go. He's in Cleveland and, and playing for the Browns. That's where we want him. So was there anything else so far through the press conference that I've missed that you wanted to mention? Well, I mean, like... that. Uh, I liked what he had to say. Andrew Barry is, is going to keep everything tight. You know, he's not going to 
divulge too much information. Going to paint a nice, smoothly red um, picture. And he's but he was very uh, straight with some things about Nick Chubb's uh, contract. Mm-hmm. He was straight with where Sean is. Uh, obviously, he'd be open to um, Flacco, but it has to be at the right price. We're going to keep three quarterbacks. How that's going to happen? There's another one that comes up other than DTR because DTR will probably be taking it on a practice squad. Um, you know, that's that was um, something that he mentioned. And then um, it's the overall outlook. Like he is, they are hiring in mind with the ability to win a Super Bowl. And clearly, based on the moves that were made in the coaching staff, there was guys on that on that uh, coaching staff that didn't have that vision. And they, that was the, the weak part of that team, the offense. They were like, go, uh, have some new blood. And then the other thing that he said, like, every year, how often does your roster turn over? It turns year. over a third no matter what. Right? Yep. So and you got to get used to that. They live by that uh, model or that mantra. And uh, they're going to move it to next year because they're not going to say, oh, we were the team that ended this season. You know, with uh, up to the Jets game and the, the two balls, we're mm-hmm. a whole new team. Where's this whole new team going to take us? That's how we're going to do it. So, I like I liked how he laid that down. It's not going to be enough for some people, but he's not going to tell you how their real business operations are going to go. So yeah. he fluffed it right. Yeah, he he did. I mean, what he said, and that was more toward the end of the conference. But I like what he he said. Basically, you never just run it back in the NFL. He said every year's its own year. That's just the nature of the business, the sport. Each season, it's a different group of guys altogether than the one before every year. So. You know, and, and we'll get into kind of at the end what he was talking about with uh, Joel Batonia and Wyatt Teller in that wild card game. But I want to talk about Miles Garrett real quick because Daryl Reuter, who I'm not a big fan of his either. Uh, I think he's kind of, I don't know, some of the stuff he says and asks kind of bothers me. But uh, me and Blake actually ate lunch with him uh, at the Hall of Fame induction ceremony. We were up there back in the press, back in the press room. Yeah. But uh, he, so he was asking about the drop off in Miles Garrett's production over that last quarter of the season after the injury and all that stuff. And I'll play Andrew Barry's answer here, but it's pretty good. He, he pretty much said what we've been saying on this show for a while now, ever since the injury is sack numbers just aren't the end all be all. But here's the clip. I think regardless of how much he played through, he played at a really high level for us down the stretch. So, um, you know, he, he does a really good job of managing his body. He's very, very proactive. Um, he does a lot that is not visible in the building. He's a lot outside the building to make sure that he can perform at a peak level. Um, and he's always done that. That's not just even a recent occurrence. But, um, you know, probably the larger point for me is I, I know I know the focus is on sack numbers but the reality of it is that that really doesn't tell that really doesn't tell the whole story or even enough of the story to be honest daryl he's the defensive player of the year so <laughs> that's what i like there at the end he just he had to throw that in he's like, hey he's the defensive player of the year so in, in my book and yeah yeah no if, if anybody subs him out or you put him on any other team it, there will be a tremendous increase in that defense if they're on if he was on another team and there'd be a tremendous decrease if it was not on ours yeah for sure man and you know yes the lack of counting stats and everything and you know no quarterback hits and sacks and stuff like that in the games yeah it was frustrating because you you expect more out of miles that injury clearly affected him because for the first however many what was it 10 games of the season he was he 
dominated. I mean, he was a monster. Injury happened, complete 180 in terms of the production on the stat sheet. And so obviously the injury had a big effect there. It sucks, but it is what it is. Miles Garrett still fought through it, still played. At the time that the injury happened, you know, in Denver, we all thought, oh, he's probably done for the season. The way all of our other players are going on IR every week, you know, boom, 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 just dropping like flies. We thought, well, yep, he's next. But no, he fought through it and he he finished out the season. So kudos to Miles. And I really do hope he wins that defensive player of the year award. Yeah, I mean, that would be awesome for the Cleveland Browns. It would be like the first major word that we add since uh brian sype won mvp in 1980 <laughs> yeah so, yep that, for sure. that's the last time like i know we've got some rookie of the year and coach of the year but like i'm talking like major mm-hmm. you know mvp that's a player of the year those are like the top two uh let's get one let's get one for the browns come on yeah well we might have two we might have defensive player of the year and uh coach of the year so with i think they said february 8th or something i think is when they announced those so we got a few weeks yet Hey, Browns fans, this is your daily mental health check. If you're struggling with anything, it does not matter. It doesn't matter how big it might seem or how small you might think it is. If it's bothering you, if something's on your mind, if something is stopping you from living the fullest life you can live right now, you need to do something about it. And talk therapy can be a great avenue to get yourself back on track. I'm talking about today's sponsor, BetterHelp. Trust me, guys, I've been there. I know how uncomfortable it can be to go to somebody's office, sit in a chair and talk about feelings. It's just not, it's not easy to do. And what BetterHelp is great for is giving you the options to communicate with a specialist, a therapist, a trained person in a way that is comfortable for you. You can text message, you can give them a phone call, voice chat, face chat, like a FaceTime with your your therapist. The options are just so much better, especially with how busy everybody is and you're moving, you're on the go. You don't always have time to schedule these appointments and get to somebody's office. BetterHelp gives you so many more options to experience all the benefits of talk therapy. If you've even been thinking a little bit about trying it, It is worth a try. And again, like I've been saying, if it's not for you, just try it for like the first month and then you just cancel. It's okay. It's not for everybody. But like I've told you, if it is for you, it can change your life. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash dogs, D-A-W-G-S, gets you 10% off your first month. You deserve to live the best life you can possibly live. And talk therapy could be that thing that helps you get past whatever it is you're dealing with right now. Head to betterhelp.com slash dogs to get 10% off that first month. So one of the last things we'll talk about here, he talked, was talking about the the team moving forward and kind of building pieces and things in his mind that he thought, okay, I think we have something here and we can build off of this. So this was just a quick story he told about uh, Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller in the uh, wildcard game against the Texans. And I remember, you know, late in the game, um, you know, so Joel had gone into the locker room um, with a with a pretty significant high ankle sprain, and the game, for all intents and purposes, was really kind of out of hand late. And Joe came back onto the field despite the fact that it shouldn't have been something that he really was playing through, just because he wanted to be out there with his teammates. Later in that fourth quarter, Wyatt goes down. He he um, he stings his calf again, and I, I see him go down. I see him like ho- you know hobble up again. You know, we might have been down. We might have been down 30 points at that point. And he gets up. Again, I'm like, you know, he really should come out. Does everything he can to will and stay in the game. 
that's pretty cool because here are two of our like veteran players. There's really nothing to play for competitively because you know we really don't have enough time to come back. But they realized in that moment that was the last time that that specific group was going to play together forever. That visual is going to be the thing that motivates me this offseason to do everything that I can to improve the team and make sure that we're in a position playing deep into the playoffs next year. I just I thought that was that was a great story he told and it just I love Andrew Barry. I love the mindset of this front office and him leading the charge with everything. They they it's all about championship, man. Yeah, I mean they're both they both speak very eloquent and I I, I appreciate them as well. I mean when you come from Freddie Kitchen and uh at Dorsey, I mean, they're a lot of bravado and no backup, right? Yeah, they were they were they were funny to listen to. A lot of people like that. Uh, true. It was entertaining. The story though, when I was down in um, I was down in Edmonton, and it was a great cup, and uh, it was a similar thing. Uh, Red Blacks made the great cup. They did, they lost uh, to Calgary, and at the end of the game, we all went out because my buddy was part of the team as a video coordinator. We all went out, and all the guys. I thought like they'd be more sad, but it was kind of like. They knew they were, this was the last time they were going to be together because a lot of guys were under contract. It goes to that that one third uh, uh, back that we gave out, you know, what there was going to be back. And everyone was like taking pictures. They were sad. They're like, obviously, they're sad in the moment when they, they lose the game, right? And um, and they, I'm sure they were too, but you can really tell with the camaraderie and the guys that we have as core players and Wyatt and Joel are, are both of them. They're going to, bring that into next year, which is going to be fantastic. And that's going to keep coming along where we've seen that in other franchises in our own division out that it keeps rolling and rolling and rolling. And so let that, let that roll, please, because we want that. And um, yeah, I appreciated that story as well. Yeah. I, it just, the Cleveland Browns are so different now than what they, what they've been in the past, because that, that story, just like you said, it's the last time these guys are this group, this specific group of guys are ever going to be together. And they know that. And it's, it's painful. Like they, it sucks because they, they loved their teammates. They love this season so much. And that's what we've been missing in Cleveland. We've been missing having that sort of culture where it is a team. It's a brotherhood. You want to be here. You want to play with the guys that are on this team. You want to play for these coaches, this front office, this organization. And, what they're doing right now in Cleveland is fantastic. Has me so excited for this offseason and the 2024 season when it gets here. Yeah, you can see it with Stefanski and the, the one problem child that we had. Who is David Njoku, right? Yeah. Oh, he was down. He didn't like the coaches. He wanted to be traded, you know? And he loves Stefanski and Stefanski loves him. Yep. And it goes back to the, the growth mindset and the emotional intelligence. He understands his own emotions, keeps him in check, and he understands his players' emotions and keeps him in check. And I think in a, a game like football, where you got to get emotionally charged up before your week long of practice game, you got to know how to manage emotions. I'm not saying that doesn't happen in any sport, but I think the degree of emotions are higher in this one. And that's a, it's a great to hear the Browns really getting into that emotional intelligence and yeah, gross mindset. Absolutely, hundred percent agree. And just kind of my one last takeaway for from the conference for me. Andrew Barry had a quote that I don't know if I don't know if this is just his quote he came up with this or he pulled it from somewhere else, but I thought it was awesome. He said, "Because he first of all he was asked about his own growth development. How does he feel like he's grown? You know, since he came in twenty twenty to now over four off seasons, and he said, 
you know, experience as a hard teacher, you get the test first and the lessons after. I was like, wow, that's, uh, I just thought that was pretty interesting. Like you kind of have to go through the fire. I've never heard that one before, but that's a good one. Um, I do like how he was talking about, um, where is it? He basically keeps a diary. And, mm-hmm. uh, I thought that spoke a lot about the, the, his own personal culture or, and it gets back to what you're saying. It's like, well, he's learning, but he's writing it down. So he's not going to forget, you know? And, uh, I don't know if other guys do that, but he, he definitely is making the right concessions to be successful based on what we're hearing. Yeah. It seems like there's nobody in that organization. And this is key for any organization, for any company. This is key for church, family, anything in life. If anybody in that organization or family or whatever thinks that they're as good as they can ever be and they're, they're, they've arrived and they can't get any better, that's when you start to have problems. And it, from the top down, these guys all know that I might be doing a good job, but I can do better. There's things I've done wrong. There's things I'm still not doing right. I need to learn. I need to progress. It, it starts with AB. It goes to Kevin. And I think that's why these players love playing for Kevin and AB and these guys so much because you know, whenever you're a player or you're, you know, you're a worker and you look at your manager at your job and you're like, well, my manager messes up all the time and they know that, but they're constantly fixing their mistakes and getting better. And they don't think they're better than anybody else. They don't think they're perfect. They, you know, it's just that human aspect that it's, it's, it's a lot easier to follow. You, you own up to it. And uh, I mean, a lot of times I think part of the culture is that you get paid. I mean, they're basically saying in the press conference, AB is like, He's got a contract management space and it's their strategic advantage. And he's basically saying we do it better than anyone else. And if you, you know, if you don't get um, paid by us, someone else is going to pay you. So just get playing, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he definitely talked about, you know, I learned from my, I learned better from my mistakes. He said, you know, bad, bad signings, bad draft picks, bad trades. And, you know, I'm sure he's thinking Austin Hooper. That didn't work out. You know, he's probably thinking Anthony Schwartz. He's thinking, you know, he's just thinking some of the moves that he's made since he's been here that just haven't panned out. And that's okay because I, I there's people on Twitter that think that there are apparently perfect GMs out there. There are not. I'll just tell you that right now. Everybody makes mistakes. And the best thing you can do is learn from it. And that's what he does. And man, is he good at his job. Yeah, you can pull up the Kansas City draft pick from last year and I'll pick our pick from last year. I guarantee you they didn't have a hundred percent success rate, and we didn't have a hundred percent success rate either. Right. The way it is. That's the way it I is. I think we did pretty we did pretty damn good without, you know, first round picks with Dewan Jones and Emerson. Uh those were unreal picks and we could be lucky. Yeah, absolutely. So that was, you know, just kind of our takeaways from AB's press conference, end of the season, you know, his talk with the reporters and everybody that, that he did earlier this week. Just good information, good stuff to, to hear and to kind of understand the mindset of the team from the front office as we move into, you know, free agency's not too far off. The draft, I mean, I know it's crazy to think about, but April's not too far off. It's almost February, so we're going to be moving quick. So, Kenny, is there anything else that you wanted to you wanted to talk about with it or did we cover all of it no i think i think we covered everything man i'm happy with where they are i'm happy we're with nick chubb is i'm happy where john watson is we just want to see more of them and we want to see nick get to where he is and everything else will fall in line with the free agency and uh the, the draft so let's see what's going on and listen to the dogs podcast man they'll keep you apprised that's right we're gonna have more stuff from kenny throughout the off season uh derek was on 
earlier this week. You know, I'm doing more stuff. So there's just a lot of content coming out. Make sure you guys are subscribed to the channel. Tap the notification bell. You don't want to miss any of the new stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm actually putting together my own series of videos that's going to be called um, State of the Browns. I'm just going to go through each position group and talk about guys, you know, from this 2023 that are going to be on the team in 2024, guys that won't be, contract situations, stats, what they did, all that kind of stuff. So stay tuned for all of that as well. Um, Kenny, really appreciate you jumping in here, talking about the press conference. And I'm just excited, man. It's This is a great time to be a Browns fan. It really is. Oh, yeah. I, I always have a blast. I'm glad that we both got in on this, and I love being on, man. Love you, Dog Pack, guys. Woo, woo. That's right. Love you, Dog Pack, and we will be back next week with more episodes, so stay tuned. Until then, go Browns. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Dogs Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Twitter at The Dogs Podcast. Get your thoughts on the show at thedogspodcast.com. you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done.